the lie the poetry tells is constant as the truth itself without the lies and the false beliefs where would we be where would we be welcome to the state of the theory podcast i'm hannah and i'm an india and we are your theory doctors Welcome back. Hello. I hope you've. I hope you're all well. Um, this is the second of July, and we are recording on a sunny afternoon in Edinburgh. Sunny for now. Um, what are we talking about today? Today, well, this is really uh, your expertise, partly because we're talking specifically. The context is. Uh, doctors in India uh, have been going on strike. Yes. Um, there's been an ongoing, and we've referred to it multiple times. I don't know if we've ever done an episode focused specifically mm. on this, but mm. there is uh, an ongoing, uh, what would you call it, um, issue? Issue makes it sound not as serious as it is, um, around doctors and healthcare professionals um, and the Indian government and discourses in India around doctors and healthcare yeah. and stuff. Um, and then also strikes. Yes. As our representative uh, trade organizer, union rep, um, this is like two of your yeah. hobbies? So, I don't know if it's not <laughs> like the right word, but... Um, so this is a problem that, that has affected all over India, but specifically West Bengal, the state I, I come from. Um, there's been uh, a sharply increased in, in recent years, but uh, the general trend is, is upward for some time, increase in acts of violence against doctors and health professionals. Typically what, what happens, and I know this from many friends and family who are practicing doctors in, in West Bengal, um, doctors are scared. Uh, a combination of lack of sort of unequal access to healthcare, increased spiraling, increased healthcare costs, and a pretty non-functional legal system has left people, sometimes justifiably, mostly not, incredibly angry with doctors and healthcare professionals and the healthcare industry more generally. And of course, the doctor is the most visible representative of the healthcare industry, even if often the doctor is an employee of the industry with little or no power over how the industry works. Yeah. So a doctor um, treats a patient, uh, happens sometimes in the public sector, sometimes in the private sector. Uh, The patient doesn't recover. Whether it is at the fault of the doctor or not, the doctor gets beaten up. And it's happened more and more and more and more. And... It got to a point a few weeks ago when uh, there was a wide-scale strike action by doctors and healthcare professionals across West Bengal, um, which, uh, as you can imagine, created a lot of news. Uh, and the, the strike action in particular got us thinking about the way privilege works in and through strike action. Um, 
So when what happens when a the in, the people who are affected by strike action are not quote unquote the customers of the striking population, uh, and what happens when the the strike does not affect the profits of the industry because it's not a profit making industry. Yeah. So these are these are some of the issues we want to think about uh, today, and I guess the most immediate uh, spark, the reason why we wanted to talk about this, was, and this is connected back to our, our previous episode we did we did on the USS University strike that happened uh, last year and may well happen again soon, which is there seems to be increasingly around the world a general lack of understanding about what a trade union is, what it's supposed to represent, and why it might decide to go on strike. Yeah. One of the common refrains that I saw in terms of a response to the strike action, whether it was by striking university staff last year or by striking doctors uh, in West Bengal at the moment, is we can understand why they're going on strike, but don't they realize how much uh, inconvenience they're causing, how, how they are putting patients' life at risk, how they're putting students' careers at risk. And it's almost as if people don't quite understand that the inconvenience is the point. Yeah. It's almost like people think that striking is supposed to do something else yeah. other than causing inconvenience. Yeah. And that somehow a strike that didn't cause inconvenience would be better. Which is fascinating to me, just sort of cognitively, intellectually. That's fascinating to me that we have arrived at such a a position, a situation of sort of amnesia, a situation of collective misunderstanding about what a trade union is and is supposed to do, that we can disentangle the inconvenience from the strike action without realizing that, of course, the inconvenience is precisely the point. We are striking not to make our employers' lives easier. We are striking to make our employers' lives harder. Where it gets more complicated is when the employer is not the same as the quote-unquote customer, right? So uh, when we are on strike as university staff, we are striking against our employers, but we are making our students' lives harder. Yeah. Uh, when we are, which is the same when you're a factory worker, right? When you're a factory worker, you're striking against your owner. Mm-hmm. But you're making your customers' lives harder because they don't, they can't get what they want. Yeah. And it seems to me that the thing that's different, different here is is the profit. Yeah. Is is the 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 implications of working in a for-profit sector versus a not-for-profit sector. And that seems to me really fascinating. That 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 difference would make would mean people struggle to understand strike action so much. Now, to be fair, there is a big difference between causing inconvenience to students and causing inconvenience to patients. The stakes are much higher for doctors than it is for us. Yeah. Uh, which is one reason why doctors go on strike so rarely. Yeah. And not without a lot of provocation 
Yeah, we've only seen, I mean, we've seen one junior doctor strike here. Yeah. And it was, I mean, it was years yeah. in the kind of planning and yeah. threatening. And it yeah. was, you know, the. Yeah. it was so carefully yeah. done. And, and generally speaking, it's not just that doctors strike rarely, but when they do strike, they don't strike from emergency. Yeah. So emergency services still operate. Of course, they're stretched because people who would otherwise go to a non-emergency source of help go to go to an emergency. But again, but again, like it's the the lack of knowledge and understanding about trade unions, which are then clearly spun by the media to demonize trade unions for striking, seems to me really noteworthy yeah what's interesting too here and i think um there's a there's a because the stakes are so high for doctors yeah and because the people affected may be experiencing life-threatening conditions Mm. that they're not getting care for makes it because the stakes also are really high for the doctors so what you're what you're talking about is ultimately is and i think what the the doctor strikes in West Bengal are about are about getting the state to protect doctors. Is yes. that right? That the focus is that that there's a kind of a general feeling among doctors that they aren't protected. Yes. And that the perpetrators of these acts of violence it's either not prevented or they aren't uh arrested and yeah, there's, dealt there's, with. Li- there's little prosecution, there was uh uh security in hospitals is ineffective or non-existent yeah so the, a, a series of demands but to do with protecting protection yes which means that the stakes also for doctors are really high yes. so when you're talking about you're talking about patients lives and you're talking about doctors lives yes which is interesting compared to our case yeah when we talk about university lecturers because it's also seen because our a lot of what we strike over is pay yeah contract issues and pensions. Yes. The most recent strikes were about our pensions. Yes. And the numbers were quite clear and stark. Yeah. A lot of people would end up retiring into poverty, um, uh, me included. And th- th- when you look at the, the hard and fast numbers, mm-hmm. it's you know it's quite a big deal. But it isn't us facing imminent yes. kind of threats of violence. Yes. Yeah. Um, in the same way. Yeah. And so it's almost as if it's a mild inconvenience to our students mm. for something that isn't very important. Mm. So why bother with the whole debacle? Yeah, and that this connects to something that is actually similar across these two different strike different stories of strike action, which is the relatively privileged position of the workforce that is going on strike. Yeah. So university staff are seen as well paid now uh many of us are uh but the university staff the 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 cohort that went that went on strike included people on zero hours contract included people who are on short-term precarious contracts it included people who are not academics and who are not particularly well-paid. So, so the, the well-paid argument hides a lot of inequalities within the striking community. community. Yeah. But the perception is that these 
workers, doctors, lecturers, professors are well paid and therefore their going on strike is an added indulgence. Yeah. As opposed to people who are, you know, the 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 summary of the cliche is how dare you go on strike when other people get so much less yeah for the for the pensions the way it manifested itself was no one has a pension anymore why should you get one yeah uh, for the doctors what was really interesting was uh, there was a, a particular moment of uh, uh, protest where a huge number I think it was in then it was 500 something maybe more than 500 uh state doctors who work in the state healthcare in West Bengal resigned in mass yeah from their state jobs now the state wasn't going to accept the resignation so it was in a sense it was symbolic but they all resigned in mass protesting the fact that they can't do their jobs safely securely yeah now the response to this even on my Facebook uh, wall which is I would guess skewed left was really interesting because friends of mine, left-wing activists who'd identify themselves as left-wing activists, were talking about how this sacrifice, quote-unquote sacrifice, is meaningless because these doctors would earn huge salaries in the private sector anyway. Which is really interesting because the, the perception that the salary is such a small amount that's that foregoing it is not a sacrifice doesn't seem to prompt the question why a doctor is getting paid so little when they're working for the state in the first place yeah right and that it it it's it there is a sense in which those of us who are on the left are continually engaged in a really perverse race to the bottom where in order to demonstrate your right to be able to strike you have to prove that you are the worst off and that the strike is affecting you the most yes and the it's the same with with academics Mm. as well that there was this um there was a real kind of emphasis on how much money academics get paid. That we have this yeah. cushy job where yeah. we teach a class every yeah. year and then we yeah. get the summers off yeah. and yeah. Uh, we get to sit around and read books all day yeah. and it's like, oof. Yeah. That uh, we should really be paid less for that work. Yes. And also that striking is about the money. Yeah. That there's a that there's a really fascinating kind of assumption that's quite neoliberal. It is incredibly about neoliberal. why people work. Yes. And why people do the jobs that they do. Yeah. And presumably doctors in India, especially in West Bengal, right, provide support and labor for the state-funded system because they don't believe that there should be only a private healthcare system. Exactly. That they work for the state for pennies. Yes. And they might do that part-time and have a private practice on the side. But that they they contribute to the state maybe because they have free medical schooling and believe that they should continue to provide free health care to everyone in their community. Uh, Maybe because they believe structurally that there should be socialized health care, whatever it is. And that that value, that isn't economic value, that has to do with straight up capital, isn't 
does it essentially is non-existent. And and that the way that privilege gets deployed to undermine strike action. So another argument, particularly with the doctors, that I kept seeing again and again. Once again, from sort of left people who identify as as on the left, was talking about the body of doctors as upper class, upper caste, Hindu, male. And yes, doctors are overwhelmingly likely to be upper class and upper caste. Doctors are likely to be Hindu, and certainly certainly in West Bengal. Um, But none of that takes away their right to strike. None of that takes away their right to be able to work without fear of violence. Yeah. And there is a really pernicious way in which if if we on the left demand a purity of underprivilegedness, that's a horrible phrase, but you know what I mean. Yeah. A purity of sort of a subaltern purity, if you like. Yeah. Where I am the most disenfranchised. Then we are we are really straying into a place where no one can go on strike. Yeah. And that the the intentional intentionally or not, the effect of this as I as I described it, race to the bottom, this this demand for a subaltern purity is is a very conservative status quo. Yeah. Because there's always going to be somebody worse off than you. Yeah doesn't matter who you are there's going to be somebody worse off than you and the 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 deploying of this privilege argument seems to take the form of how dare you go on strike when i'm worse off than you rather than oh you went on strike maybe i could as well yeah and that that the difference between those two positions is fascinating to me and how one of them seemed to be so much more common even on the left than the other. Yeah, there's a really interesting power relationship yeah. here that we were talking about before where because we occupy kind of professional careers that require mm. a, a lot of training and education mm. um, and puts us into work that gives us quite a lot of power in the places where we work in terms yeah. of... Um, our interactions with students, for example, yeah. or doctors' interactions mm. with patients, right? Foucault tells us, you know, in many volumes yeah. and many lectures about how this works, yeah. that in our uh, spaces of discipline, as mm. it were, we have a lot of power yeah. over the people who our strike will, will affect in the short term. And that is is connected with this, Mm. language of privilege and the, the, well, the discourse of privilege mm. where um, you know you have all of this kind of social and economic privilege mm. and you have kind of life and death power mm. over patients or over mm. students mm. I and mean, we don't have life and death power over students um, that would be terrible but we do they sometimes think that we do in the mm. sense that we can give them grades and, yeah. and for them sometimes they equate that with with life and death yeah. um, and when they're missing exams mm. or their exams aren't being marked and they may not graduate, you know, that it feels like a life and death mm, mm, mm. power over mm. them. And the privilege then takes on, like it becomes magnified. Yeah. Um, that, that then we're using or wielding our privilege mm. in a way 
that is damaging. Yeah. And so it's this sort of flipped argument where, you know, we would kind of level arguments or kind of accusations about uh, using privilege for kind of negative ends mm. or mm. to generate profit or mm. collect power to mm. yourself or, you know, mm. the sort of state-centered yeah. ways that we talk about power. Yeah. But it gets flipped and used mm. against us. Yeah. Because what we're doing actually is trying to trying to provide the conditions whereby everyone could strike yeah. um, and protect their labor and protect their resources that they generate from yeah. their labor. Yeah, so, so I, I mean, maybe this is patronizing for our, our, our audience, but I feel like there's a need to specify exactly what a strike is yeah. and why, why a strike is a good and important thing. And why it's that, you know, as, as workers in a capitalist economy, it's the one bit of power we have. Yeah. Which is my relationship with my university is I sell my labor to my university. Now, if I stop selling my labor to my university, my university can't function. If all of us, all of the people who sell our uh, labor to our universities, to, to my university, then stop stop doing that then I, my university can't function. And the, the idea behind strike action is whether is if enough of us strike, we get to a point where it matters more to the university that it functions than that it saves money by not giving in to our demands. Yeah. Right? That, that, that's how... And whether that's a university, whether it's a hospital, whether it's a state, whether it's a factory... In a sense, the the strike is not about, or not just about reducing profits. It's about precisely causing inconvenience so that the normal functions of the employer are impeded. Yeah. And the more you can impede the normal functions of the employer, the argument is they're likelier to come to a negotiating table to to have an agreement that we can carry, so that allows us to carry on working. Yeah. And especially when this is taking place in a not-for-profit industry, typically in, in all of the experience of strike action that I've had, it, the conversation has involved precisely the, the problems of that industry associated with privilege. So in the, in the case of doctors in West Bengal, another criticism I've seen a lot on Facebook is why are doctors not, uh, not protesting against differential access to healthcare. Well, actually they are. Yeah. And if doctors are stop working because of, and stopped working in the state sector particularly, because they are afraid of their lives, afraid for their lives rather, um, that's not going to help access to healthcare. No. And in our, on our picket lines when we were striking last year, we were absolutely talking about increased student fees. We were absolutely talking about the corporatization of higher education. And part of the reason I think why students recognized and why we had as strong student support as we as we did through the strike action was precisely the students' recognition that our pay and conditions is directly related to their quality of education. Yeah. The the pay working conditions of the of the service provider, to use that horrible, horrible phrase whether it's medicine, whether it's healthcare or education, is directly result connected to the level of healthcare and education you have. Yeah. And 
those conversations are act- always actively going on when there is strike action, but aren't necessarily reflected in this wider, yeah. wider discourse of sort of, I would argue, a misplaced discourse of privilege. Yeah. I find it really fascinating because if I received healthcare from a gynecologist that I really liked and trusted and yeah. learned that I couldn't go see them for my appointment because yeah. they had been beaten up yeah. and were not able to work. Yes. I would be devastated yeah. and angry and yeah. would see that as an attack on not just my doctor, yeah. but on all of their patients. Yeah. So I think there is a, in terms of the, the particularly toxic relationship between the medical community and the general community in India, uh, that is partly a, 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 a problem that the medical community needs to needs to figure out and and, and is trying to yeah. generally speaking I think uh, but there is a macro micro issue here right so at a macro level uh, the there are sections of the medical community that is complicit in in, in various types of corruption yeah that you know everything to do from over prescriptions to over testing to you know uh all the problems that you have when you have a for-profit healthcare service. Yeah. But again, there is that sort of scalar gap that exists between a doctor, and this is a callback to our previous episode on, on mental health care, between a for-profit healthcare system and an individual doctor seeing a patient and seeing pound signs or dollar signs or peace signs. Yeah. Is there, there's... There seems to be something lacking in our collective understanding of neoliberalism, healthcare and neoliberalism, and doctor-patient relationships. Yeah. If we can't distinguish between those two. Yeah. If we can't distinguish between the problem of a for-profit, corporatized, neoliberal healthcare system and the individual relationship with a doctor and a patient in a consulting room. Yeah. Um, and I don't know quite why we struggle so much to distinguish between those these two, sort of the macro level and the micro level. Yeah, I mean it's just, it, it's kind of the same with us. Some of the some of the ways that um, certainly certain certain British newspapers were characterizing the lecturer strike around pensions last year was that lecturers are uh, privileged and arrogant mm. that they don't mm. work. Um, the, they're like absent and lazy and mm-hmm. da, da, da. and st- students or even kind of you know people who've graduated mm-hmm. thinking about their memories of good lectures that mm-hmm. they've had mm-hmm. and there's a real disconnect mm-hmm. between mm-hmm. the two mm-hmm. that actually you know a lot of a lot of and I think students generally were were very supportive of that strike. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of people who have degrees were not. Yeah. And but I was like, do you, do you not remember mm. what it was like mm. to be in a really good class mm. with somebody who clearly put together a really good course? Yeah. I guess if we are going to be scrupulously rigorous, then we should think about whether. You used the example of a hypothetical gynecologist who you really liked. Yeah. And a, a hypothetical lecturer who creates a really good class for a student. Um, 
what if it's a gynecologist who you don't particularly like? What if yeah, it's well. a, what if it's a, a lecturer who isn't very good at? Uh, in other words, are we in the same way we can't limit strike action to workers people, yeah. who are people who are not privileged? We can't limit strike action to people who are good at their jobs. No. And um, but I think if you're going back to empathy, yeah. If you're if you're trying to tell a story mm. and you're trying to kind of use the, the university's story and manipulate it mm. um, to change something mm. or you're trying to use kind of the healthcare industry's story to, mm. to change something and you're trying to provoke some sort of empathy. Yeah. Um, saying, creating a sort of conspiracy theory about the, the kind of institution as being this sort of evil big employer mm. that's... Mm sucking the lifeblood out of its staff members for less pay and and fewer benefits isn't necessarily the most effective way of of doing that. Um, As prone as some people are to to conspiracies. But Mm. really it's not, you know, because the ultimate goal is to continue working for the institution. Because Mm. right there, then all this came out. You know, um, one of the the pieces of discourse that came out of the lecture strike last Mm. year was Mm. we are the university. That the institution is not a shadowy... It's not a conspiracy. It is yeah. not a shadowy boardroom yeah. Yeah. with corporate mm. suits sitting in secret mm. and mm. making decisions mm. that get trickled down. It's not. Like, yes. we're all just members of this institution and we facilitate it in mm. various ways and it works on us in various ways. Mm. And that's not really a story that the public enjoy. No. So we've been talking about uh, strike action in the not-for-profit sector. And we used example two examples: the the uh, pensions strike in Britain among the British University staff and doctors in West Bengal, uh, as as two examples of relatively privileged uh, employees in a not-for-profit industry. But you had an example of a strike action in a not-for-profit industry where the employees are not necessarily privileged. In the same way. Yeah, well, in the, in the U.S., there's been a kind of network of teacher strikes that have happened, mm. um, I guess, in the last year, last couple years. Um, and there's been some public sector strikes. So people who work for the federal government uh, in various places that have gone on strike for uh, better working mm. conditions and, and around mm. the time of a contract negotiation. Um, and the teacher strikes have been really interesting because... They've happened in places that are uh, particularly underfunded and under-resourced, in school districts that are um, uh, particularly deprived and that are Mm. often affected by issues such as rapid gentrification um, or kind of really fast um, kind of economic and demographic change Mm. that impacts on the public school sector uh, pretty dramatically. Mm And teachers in the United States are uh, extremely underpaid. Mm. Uh, depends on which state you're in, of course, but generally speaking, public school teachers are very low paid. Mm. Um, as are many private school teachers as mm. well, and charter school teachers are. Yeah. Generally speaking, teaching yeah. is not a well-paid profession no. at all. Mm. Um, and it's been really interesting. Uh, thing to watch because mm. the U- the U.S. dismantled its trade mm. unions a long time ago. Yeah. Uh, the public sector has a few powerful ones left. 
Um, and teachers do tend to have more mm. robust unions. Yeah. Police union. Mm. Uh, nurses sometimes go on strike. Mm. Some public uh, transportation networks also. So BART in the in mm. uh, the Bay Area, yeah. Bay Area Rapid Transit, uh, are often going mm. on strike when the contract negotiation is coming yeah. up. But there is real anti yeah. anti strike and trade mm-hmm. union feeling yeah. in the U.S. It's not something that's normal. It's certainly yeah. not like the French model, for yeah. example. Yeah. Um, it is mm. very unpopular. Yeah. But what's what the teachers have managed to do is create a lot of grassroots support mm. for their strikes. Yeah. Um, and there's a, a real discourse around these strikes that is it's pro-teacher, but it's also pro-public sector, mm-hmm. pro-student, and pro-community. Mm. Um, so there's it's wrapped up in um, a sort of growing understanding about what gentrification does to a community, yeah. um, how it creates really uneven and lopsided communities that... Um, don't really function internally mm. very well. Mm. Um, how it uh, doesn't work in a sort of sustainable way. Mm-hmm. So it's re- it's it's sort of the opposite yeah. um, of what's happened mm. here. There's mm. a, a mm. sort of growing uh, feeling among kind of lower middle class, middle class professionals, um, people who work for the government, mm. um, but who aren't necessarily well paid. Mm but who are often educated, um, at least to the university level, mm. who are now, who are moving back towards a, a trade union mm-hmm. model. Mm-hmm. Um, so do you think that part of the reason for the success is that it's the state sector? You said, you said that part of the positive reaction to the trade union was a, a poor public sector. Uh, sentiment yeah i think um i mean the u.s historically has been very very good at creating a a pr campaign that's Mm. pro-private sector pro-corporation pro-business um the government in the u.s is is historically less involved um in most pretty much every every way um except the military yeah you know they like that um but there is, I think the, the exception to this rule is education. Yeah. Um, there's a real desire, and I think one of the things that the United States did in the 19th century was forwarded a kind of German romantic idea around education as a tool mm. for social mobility and mm. social uplift and education as a right, mm. Mm. Um, as opposed to a privilege. Yes. And because of that, there has always been in certain parts of the United States a, mm. a real kind of value placed on public yeah. sector education mm. Mm. Um, in a way that hasn't been part of debates around healthcare, for example, or welfare yeah. generally. But it's really interesting because some people who are, who are quite optimistic but who are also kind of on the ground organizing mm are hoping mm. that that value mm. around public education will seep into mm. uh, the public's ideas around healthcare. Mm. That 
that education and healthcare mm. are two sides of the same coin, yeah. which is public good. Yes. Um, and social mm. good. Yeah. And I think that there's, in certain, certain places, that's kind of happening. We're yeah. starting to see democratic socialists win local mm. elections mm. Um, and even win national elections. Mm. We're starting to see uh, states with uh, things like Medicare for All on their mm. ballots. Mm. Um, it, and those take kind of grassroots organizing mm. Mm. Um, and are the other side of this this trade union mm. coin. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it's entirely hopeless. No, no. And I, I think if anything, the there seems to me the possibility in public sector strike action to move the conversation so that you are not just arguing for pay and conditions. Let's face it, there is, we, we, we didn't, haven't really mentioned specific trade union legislation in Britain, which makes striking really, really difficult. Yeah. Um, so, you know, for a strike to be legal, you have to have uh, at least a 50% turnout and at least 50% support for, for industrial action. Uh, and you can only strike about about your pay and conditions. But it seems to me that when strikes are successful, especially in the in the public sector, they are successful because they are able to articulate a position that is beyond pay and conditions. Yeah. That includes pay and conditions, but then precisely ties the 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 pay and conditions to the sector as a whole. So when the U.S. suspension strike last year was successful because we were able to make the case that pay and pensions, uh, pensions in that case it was pensions specifically, but pay and conditions of university staff are directly connected to the health of the higher education sector and the quality of education that students in higher education are getting. When, if, when doctor strikes are successful, it's successful because the trade unions are able to connect pay and conditions of the doctors to the state of healthcare. Uh, and it seems that that is both a burden burden and an opportunity, right? Yes. So it, public sector trade unions have that opportunity to make the case for public sector good uh, in a way that perhaps private sector trade unions are not able to do in the same way. And that may be why private sector trade unions are less effective than public sector trade unions, generally speaking, certainly in Britain, uh, certainly in India, Mm -hmm. I'm guessing in America as well. I don't really think they exist. I mean, we're starting to see, you're starting to see um, hourly waged workers trying to organize in big corporations. So you -hmm. you see a sort of desire to unionize in places like McDonald's and Mm -hmm. Walmart and and other kind of big corporations Mm -hmm. um, where pay is extremely low. But really, they're they don't really exist mm. in the way that they exist here. Which, given the origins of trade unions, is really interesting. Like the origin of trade union is in private sector work. Yeah. Right? It's factory flows. It's not state industry. Yeah. What it speaks to is that that narrative of public good yeah. is the only way of getting getting non-strikers to yes. agree Yes. To deal with the ra- yes. the ramifications of a strike. Yes. The the, con- the paying conditions 
aren't enough. people working yes. in a coal mine yeah. aren't yeah. enough. Yes. And that's kind of outrageous. Yes. So, in other words, I don't care if the burger I buy in McDonald's is bought is made by someone who isn't getting a wage that they can live off. But I do care if my student, if my my child is taught by someone who isn't getting paid enough to live off. Yeah. So it's not that trade unions in the public sector have the opportunity to shift the conversation to a more pro-public sector position. It's that if they don't make that connection, the strike becomes much less sympathetic, much less supportable. Yeah. It, which is a sort of it's a really interesting thing we instrumentalize mm. the the past and potential future suffering of doctors right yes. that individually a doctor yeah. being beaten up isn't enough yeah. yes isn't enough to cause outrage yes which actually when you think about it is mind boggling yes the 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 ability for a doctor to go to work and not be beaten up or not face the threat of being beaten up yes for something that happens while yes. they're working that's pretty bizarre. Yeah. And it, it it only matters when it can be connected to a wider narrative of healthcare or a wider narrative of education or... Yeah, public good. Yeah. It's a really perverse sort of extension of utilitarianism, right? That, yeah. That, that, that sector or that community or that workforce their life and liberty and you know pay and conditions is is not as important as a general overarching all of us at this nation level state level whatever yeah they are not the ends in and of themselves yeah their lives are not part of part of any sort of end they're the means to which we are kept healthy and we are the means by which our students receive yeah. the degrees that they go on to then instrumentalize we are ends in and of ourselves mm. this was going to be a positive it was episode. it was a sort of like hopeful yeah we did not we did not succeed <laughs> but you know pick up the unions yeah I know yes we are at the stage now where in, in our own industry in our own sector our trade union is just about to ballot for uh, strike action on pay and pensions and casualization. Uh, so we this may well be the first of an eventual follow-up where we report back from another set of strikes. Uh, the doctor strikes have since been resolved. Uh, how satisfactorily they've been resolved or not is a different matter because the, the particular incident of... Uh, a junior doctor being beaten up so badly that he may well have life-changing injuries, brain damage. Uh, the the particular instance that that led to this this strike action, the the accused in that case have all now been granted bail. Uh, so I think this may well be a watch this face and uh, see how this news, this story develops further. Uh, and if it does, we will come back and carry on this conversation. Um, I think that's a good point to stop. Yeah. Um, 
Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. We'll try and do a more hopeful episode later. <laughs> but we can't promise anything. Bye. Bye. We hope you enjoyed this episode. I have been Hannah Fitzpatrick. And I have been Anindya Vichardry. You can contact me on Twitter at Dr. H. Fitz. And me at Dr. Anindya R. Our music was provided by the Agrarians. And this has been State of the Theory. Thank you. Where would we be? Where would